Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day legends, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of Potty Magic. I'm your host, Jared Magister, and thank you so much for tuning on into the podcast each and every week and everybody that's been uh, subscribing, following, listening, just tuning on into the episodes. It really does mean a lot. Uh, so the episode today, I'm joined by WA-based music artist Sash Seaborn, who I actually met over in Sydney when Beck was doing all of her Australian Idol stuff and Sash was also on the show. Uh, me and Sash, we were training together in the gym pretty much every day uh, for the for the time that I was there anyway. Uh, he went on to do extremely well from the show. And uh, the more that obviously I got to know Sash and uh, chatting to him uh, in the gym, which is always when the good conversations come out when you're training with someone, uh, the more I got to uh, know his story, uh, his uh, passion for uh, not just music, but also for his well-being and his health and how he is really maximizing his music career by making sure his body is in, you know, the best condition it can be, his food sorted out, all the wellness side of his life uh, and how much that's really uh, helping him all the way through his uh, music journey and career thus far. I guarantee you're going to love the chat. Make sure, as always, that you follow, subscribe, uh, share the episode around. Just let me know if you if you liked it or not, all that sort of thing. It uh, really does go a long way into, um, you know, continuing to do the episodes every week of 2023. But uh, let's get into the episode with Sash. Here we bloody go. All right, welcome back to Potty Magic. I have got a awesome guest straight off the set of Australian Idol. Yeah, here he is. We've got Sash Seaborn, mate. Welcome to the Potty Magic. We're going to let this uh, play out. Oh Does that God. give you PTSD yeah, or what? Yeah, that's trauma. <laughs> trauma right there, oh my God. Hey, mate, thanks so much for coming out and uh, doing a, an episode with me. Dude, thanks for having me. It's a uh, first podcast. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit of background. Uh, obviously, we met each other... Uh, uh, over at uh, over in Sydney in yeah. the lovely, lovely place of Rudy Hill. Rudy Hill, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. How uh, how did you find your Rudy Hill experience? Uh look, dude, it was <laughs> the other side of the tracks. I, it was the other uh, side of the tracks. Yes, I'm. Uh, I was. I was glad to experience it, but I, I'm okay to be out of there as well. Most know? definitely, yeah. yeah. So uh, Rudy Hill, for anyone that hasn't been there, probably wouldn't recommend going that much. It's like uh, it, if you're you know a Perth listener. It's like being in Gosnells, but but they've got the Perth Arena in Gosnells. Like, it's actually what it is. They've got this massive amphitheater. Um, it's, it's really, it's a really nice, um, theater that they filmed all the, uh, all the idol stuff in. And it's absolutely massive, but it's just in the most random location ever. It's like the best venue in Sydney in the worst suburb of Sydney. It's just, mate. And, and also like to get there, if you're someone that's just coming from Sydney to get there, it's nowhere near the train, like the train line and station is like 900 meters away. Yeah. You walk through goats, there's goats on the way past, there's like <laughs> cows and cows shit. And yeah, shit. Yeah. It is the most random spot ever, but yeah. uh, pretty cool venue. But yeah, we uh, we met each other there. I was over with Beck doing all the uh, all the idol stuff. I feel like even though I wasn't a contestant, I was almost a contestant. You were part of the family, dude. <laughs> you and Elliot were like yeah, exactly. part of the crew. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then we started doing, um, uh, I was training at the gym there. The gym at the center was actually really sick. Mm. And we started training together and, you know, we Kept me sane. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, uh, mate, me too. Yeah. I was like, I had even less to do than what you did. I was uh, sitting in yeah. a fucking hotel room the whole time doing absolutely nothing. So, yeah. um, we started training together and, um, you know, when you, when you get training, you get chatting and, yes. you know, we, we became, um, pretty tight and, um, you know, it was good, good to get to know you. So mm. I thought, what a great opportunity to uh, get you on the podcast and talk about everything sash. Yeah, dude, it's, it's all fresh. So I'm, I'm stoked to be here and yeah, vent it all out today. Most definitely. <laughs> so let's start, let's start what, what everybody wants to hear about. Let's go the idol stuff first so uh tell me about 
your idol experience. Why Why did you apply? How did it all start? Oh, dude. I mean, they just DM'd me on Instagram. Oh, they DM'd you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. It's a I didn't wild know that. story. So, I mean, I was just like kind of going about my own solo project and yeah. doing music independently. And then I got a DM from someone being like, I'm a casting which is from Channel 7. And I thought it was a joke. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, something totally. fake and kind of was just like, yeah, yeah, right. But then, um, you know, went down that road. And, and after a lot of speculation and thought, I ended up, uh, you know, auditioning and went over to Sydney, as you know, and just kind of did the whole experience. And, and it's been, dude, I had a great run, you know, looking in, re- in retrospect, I do feel very fortunate on, on how well everything came together. And I had a really clear goal going into, you know, what I wanted to achieve. And that was to connect with people and to build an audience. And I, I think, you know, I got everything I needed out of it. And Absolutely. Um, I feel like they got what they needed out of me. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> and, um, kicked out the other end now. And I'm just like um, looking forward to having my freedom back and playing my own songs again. That's actually crazy that they reached out to you. And so you had no interest at all until that message came through? I don't think I ever thought about doing a singing show. Really? And I don't think I ever would have. It was it was just a thing of, you know, I, I had been doing my music and really putting myself out there this that year and played like I think I played nearly a hundred shows yeah. last year, and well, you're so like you pop up on socials for all sorts of different pages, like the triple uh, triple J. Yeah. Um, you know, do post about what's that other one that do the articles as well? Um, Ilky, that's it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's been a few um, bits and pieces about you on there as well. So up in the source, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. um, that's funny because how uh, I actually uh, for for Love Island when I was auditioning, mm-hmm. I was I was at this cafe down here, yeah, uh, and similar sort of stuff with my you know uh, work and body magic and everything I had going on. I was like. Oh yeah, with my manager at the time, he's like, "Oh, why don't you think about you know going on a show?" And mm. I was like, "Oh yeah, like maybe I could." I was just recently single. Yeah, like, "Oh yeah, that could work." Mm. Um, and he's like, "Oh, Love Island's um got their stuff out." I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." He goes, "Oh, but just go and ask your mum first before we start doing it, just to make sure it's all good." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool, sounds <laughs> good." So, with the intention of doing it, we went to this cafe, which they just up the road here, yeah. and we're sitting there. I was like, "Oh, mum, like you know, I'm thinking about doing this, um, doing this show. It's called Love Island. Telling her all about it." And as we're sitting. Telling, I'm telling mum about this is what this show and I'm thinking about applying for it. I've got my phone there. Uh, ITV casting uh, wants to send you a message. And I was like, what the fuck? And I opened it and yeah. said, hi, Jared, we just come across your profile. We think you'd be grateful. And I was like, are you fucking joking? Yeah. So like, that was like a sign just, uh, just to go and do that. So <laughs> It's funny that you say that. You know, I, I felt like I had a really similar experience where the planets kind of aligned. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I was at uni studying guitar because my, my background was always I was a guitar player I never really did you're studying well. guitar at uni I was doing guitar full time at uni's <sighs> like, contemporary performance in guitar and I I had got to a point in my life where I was like touring a lot and starting to move over east and, and play a lot of shows and, and you know the I was living two lives that both required 100% and I had to make a really tough call in the middle of last year to defer that course yeah. uh, because I just knew in my soul that I really wanted to pursue being a singer-songwriter and and, and be a more serious musician. Yeah. Uh, and wildly, like a, a month after I had kind of just thrown that to the side and really decided to level up and, and commit to the experience of rehearsing by myself and, you know, getting really in the zone, the idol thing came up for me like a month later. So it's wild how when you put that energy out into the world, it comes back. Very to much. That. It's just like opportunities just pop up when you put yourself into um, positions, you know. I think the manifesting thing is very powerful yeah. and very real, but you've got to be careful what you wish for. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, you were gigging, you were touring around, um, mm. you know, with uh, with your own songs and, and albums and stuff that you've done mm. uh, as well. Tell us a little bit about that on the lead up to Idol, exactly what you're doing and what sort of tours and, and shows and everything that you're getting up to. Yeah, so I started playing solo in 2021 yeah. and I had kind of just come out of a few years of playing in different bands and was always a guitar player. And then, you know, I, I, I had found myself during COVID like down south where I'd grown up and living on a bush. I was living in a caravan for like two months uh, on, on a bush block, like just <laughs> surfing and totally dodging the lockdown. Just living felt, the felt pretty guilty about. Yeah, 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 dude, like fully dog bludging <laughs> surfer lifestyle. Um, loved it. Uh, and I was just like there alone and, and wanted to make music and started writing all these songs. And, and I've always been someone that just kind of, uh, if a door opens, I've always walked through it. And, and musically, the solo thing was just, um, it, it connected instantly and it felt like something to follow. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, like 2022, that I had done two tours like independently off my own back around Australia before Idol hit me up. And um, so going over to Sydney for top 50, that was my third time going over East. And Insane. it was a point in my life where I was just kind of like not taking no for an answer anymore and was was really committed to putting music out there and, and um, you know, connecting with others because that's, that's at the core of it. I think musically that's what it's always been about for me. It's about 
you know, um, relating to others and building community and, and connecting in a way that's more, it feels more intuitive for me than, you know, um, through words or through conversation. It's like, I just play my songs and that's how I relate to the world. Yeah, most definitely. So for anybody that maybe hadn't watched the show, tell us a little bit about uh, the stages you got to, what the auditions were like, what the next sort of stage, all that sort of Just like a bit of a crash course for people that might have not seen the uh, the episode so far. Yeah, crash course. I mean, auditions at Optus Stadium, which is where that I was sick. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. I mean, it was, yeah. Long day. I was there for fucking almost 12 hours. Yeah, yeah, it was brutal. Ridiculous. Yeah, and that was to be our life for a few months. Hey? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. Foreboding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got in there and and i was like yeah kind of kind of nervous but i, I more, more so just felt like a guy from the other side of the tracks you know i'd always been in the independent scene and there's a bit of a rift between like quote-unquote commercial music and independent so i felt like i was crossing the tracks into the pop route a little bit and was a little bit uneasy about the thing but once i actually got in there and um you know play for the judges i was like super stoked by how well i was received and i got four yeses went straight um golden ticket straight to Sydney and then we did beauty. Yeah. And then we did top 50 week and that was like, um, intense. I mean, that was like, that was more than 12 hour days. Mm. I feel like we were just there every day shooting all day and, and 60 people or something got condensed down in 24. So it was a bit of a massacre. Yeah, Um, totally. And met some great people through there, like particularly, um, you know, people like Piper butcher and, and of course all the WA crew like Beck and Sarah, like got really close with some crew straight away and, listened to the same music and, and felt like we made some, some really cool connections. Um, and then, yeah, I, was, I did all those challenges and went straight through the top 24, which we've just come back from so yep. top 24, top 12, made it to top 10 Unreal. about a week ago. Um, yeah. It just got publicly booted. <laughs> Roasted, robbed. <laughs> no, oh, no, and man, but it's a really brutal process, isn't it? Yeah. As, and it's, what you see on the TV, and it's the same with Love Island and any other reality show, totally. it's there's so much more that goes on to what actually gets on the screen as well. And it's so emotionally intense. And when you're in the bubble of it all, yeah. holy shit, it's like that that's your world, what's going on. It feels like you're going to die if you get kicked out. Like, well, it's, it's amazing <laughs> talking to you about this because you were there. And, yeah. and it's very hard to explain what that experience is like when you weren't in the room. Mm. But, you know, you go over to Rudy Hill and you've got a, a hotel on one side of the street and the venue that we shoot in on the other side of the street. And it's kind of like a compound. It's almost like- it's, There's I, literally a gate around it. I don't, like. want to, I don't want to say prison, but it kind of feels like that. You know, you're like, you come across the country from WA, you're there by yourself and you go into this like super high pressure environment where it's like, we're doing music, we're doing camera, we're doing makeup, we're doing wardrobe, we're doing this. And it's just like a relentless grind where you always feel like you have to be hyper alert because people are, you know, their eyes are on you and mm. that, that pressure, pressure only mounts as the, as the weeks go on. Um, and you've got, you've got no one from home to kind of keep you sane. Like you, you're calling home all the time, but it's, it's not, you're just in this kind of like weird alternate reality that yeah. doesn't feel, um, normal in any sense uh and you're constantly trying to come across as authentic i think that was the biggest thing for me it was like you know you have all all of a sudden a lot less control than what you normally do in a um you know an independent background where you can think about how you want to look and and of course writing your own songs and what venues you want to play and what sort of people you want to play with it's like you go into the, the world stage in front of the whole country uh and you're kind of just clinging to the small amount of control you have in a very big machine. And um, for me, it was like not without its challenges to stay super authentic and honest because I didn't want to do anything on that show that I wouldn't do on my own headline show. I wanted to introduce myself to the country in a way that was authentic and honest and people knew who I was so that if they wanted to hear my own songs, they would follow on. And yeah, yeah, dude, it was a pressure cooker and and like one of the hardest things I've ever done. But also I feel like if anything, proud to have gone in there um, you know, stayed honest and come out with my head high. Most definitely. And like I said, I was there with you, even though I wasn't doing the things that was hard for me being there, bro. Like yeah. it was like, in a like you said, in the, in the spot where it was in, you've got, you know, I was just, my whole thing when I was there was just working around with whatever Beck's got on. Yeah. Go, okay, cool. I'd, I'd make sure I'm fucking back, back at the hotel as soon as she's back. Yeah. If you need food. Yep. Yeah, cool. It was just, it was just making sure that she was all good just to, you know, have someone there for her. But mm. I, like you said, you being by yourself, missing home and, you know, in this environment that, you know, does feel a little, it's just so strange. It's, it's just, it is really, really hard to be your authentic self in an environment that is like that, where yeah. it's very like fabricated this way and that way. And it's a show and it's a, all that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been for you. 
I think particularly when you come from a background of having total control and you yep. never really realize how valuable that freedom is to portray whoever you want to be. Like going into this, it was like, they're like, here's Sash Sibyl and the surfer from Margaret River. He's got long hair and he does this <laughs> and he does that. And it was like, whoa, like this is such a, a strong vibe they're putting forward, which, you know, I guess that is all true to me in a way, but it's, it's like, I didn't get any, no one was asking me how I wanted to be betrayed. It was like totally, you sign a contract where it's like all this footage belongs to the production company and they can exploit it however you wish. So I was like kind of in constant um, fear of like coming off in a way that was not who I was. And, Most definitely. Um, you know, like just already it being a stretch from being a songwriter and feeling like music was always about authentic expression for me and then just being in this space where it was like very airbrushed and I've got a face full of makeup and some dude's trying to give me a spray. You don't wear makeup regularly? No, nah, it's not really my thing. <laughs> dude, some guy trying to give me a spray tan. Like that's Oh, that's, don't say no to the spray tans. I'm I a, spray tan sometimes. Do you spray tan? Sometimes, okay. sometimes. Not for it just depends on what it is, but just a little bit of Bondi sand, just a nice. small, small layer. Tahitian princess. Just yeah. a little touch. Little yeah, touch. yeah. Well, respect. Touch. I mean, I've, I've now I regret it. That I didn't do it. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> and uh, when you look back on it, do you think that was a really positive experience for, for you or was there bits that you would have changed or anything like that? Yeah, man. Like uh, one thing I've been asked a lot in the last couple of weeks is like, you know, do you think I should do this or would I recommend it to someone else? Mm. You know, I think it's totally up to the individual. Like I, I would say if you're going into one of these things and you want to, you know, be a small cog in a very big machine, you have to know who you are yep. and you have to know what you want out of the experience. You have to define your expectations. I think you have to have a bit of a plan before you even go into it and yeah. do it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you're going in like, well, I think I kind of have a talent, but I don't really know. I've only sung in my bedroom and I want to win and they're your goals. Like it's very likely going to come out disappointed. So yep. I went in there being like, I'm just trying to build an audience. I just want to connect with other people and- you know, I know who I am and I'm committed to being honest with that. And so I was able to walk out, you know, at the end of the, the road feeling like, you know, satisfied and that I wouldn't change anything about my experience on Most Idol. Most definitely. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, like if anything that I was proud of, it was probably to stay authentic when um, I was just, I was continuously battling for control. And it's, it's a pretty wild thing to be a part of where, like you just, you just have to <laughs> just stand your ground and, and just, and honestly, and, but you're just there for the ride as well. Like you said, yeah. you're trying to be yourself and stand your ground and, and do what you, and get what you need out of it. But yeah. you're also just fucking strapping yourself in and just seeing where, where that That's takes true. you. That's like, true. And I, I, I probably called like 30 people before I ever said yes to doing idol being like, do you think I should do this? And, yeah. and, and, and like, I felt like I knew what I was getting myself into. And I definitely you didn't. No, nah, you honestly, you do not know until On a TV you rock show, up. You never nah, know what nah. you're so, and and just on that point as well, it's the same with, you know, my uh, Love Island experience with people that went in and they're thinking, oh, I'm going to do this show. I'm going to be a, you know, an influencer. I'm going to get all these followers. I'm going to, I'm going to host a TV show and a radio show. And yeah. that is not the reality of it. It's, you, you got to go in with a plan. So there's a lot of people that did it much better than I did in terms of gaining a following. Mm. And they're all doing the same jobs as what they did beforehand. I'm right. going, what the fuck? Like, you know, I've got 80,000 followers and able to do some really cool stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine what I'd be able to do with 400,000. Yeah, <laughs> Holy shit. You've got the grind. Like I've always like respected and admired how committed you are to your grind and how much you, you know, you're consistent with putting stuff out. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about any of these shows is if you're going to go into this journey being like, Oh, I'm going to come out the end of it. I'm going to be a star. It's like, no, I mean, the reason you don't hear about a lot of these people after they finish the show, it's, it's still just as difficult to keep your career going, but you have to, you know, that's where the journey starts. Exactly. It's, it's more about what you do after the show than the show itself. And like, I feel like I'm in the last couple of days just staring down um, a really big year of, of working and, and exactly and committing, but also a really big year of reaping the benefits of that if you're willing to, you know, take the plunge. Yeah, definitely. And man, all your, I just thought last bit on the idol stuff and then we'll go into more fun bits. But, <laughs> um, I thought your performances were fucking great. Oh, like, thank oh, you, I thought they were so good. Thank your, you, dude. your guitar playing is elite. Uh, and yeah, just the whole thing was going on. It was, I thought, I thought it's fucking awesome. So <laughs> anyway, let's move on from thank idol you, stuff man. and let's go into more fun stuff. All right. Sure. Super quick break in the podcast here, guys, just to remind you, if you haven't already and you have been tuning on into the episodes of Potty Magic, just to make sure that you leave a uh, five-star review, it really does go a long way into making the podcast much more attractive for more guests to come on on uh, and also just, you know, build it as we, as we go on through and make the episodes bigger and better, which would be great. 
takes two seconds of your time. If you're on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever you are, either follow, click the follow button, subscribe button, and also rate the episode a big five stars. Uh, literally take you 20 seconds to do any of those things uh, and uh, would uh, really, really appreciate it. But uh, let's get back to the episode with Sash. Here we go. Into the fun stuff. So I want to know all about Sash. How did <laughs> how did you become Sash Seaborn? So let's go right back to the start. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, you growing up your yeah. family and how you got into music. Yeah, dude. I mean, I have been WA boy my whole life. Down south, eh? Down south, so yeah. Margaret River. Beautiful um, place. And I think it was probably year seven band in Margaret River Primary School where I, um, yes. I joined as a bass player and we were doing Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana and I was- Absolute banger. Pretty, I think I think we were pretty trash, but I, I kind of got the bug. I was like, this is something that I feel like is- Really exciting. What year was that? Did you say nine? Yeah, I was 11 years old, so it was yeah. year seven. Band. Year seven, year seven. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think growing up down there, it was, it was a slower pace and it's a very salt of the earth sort of um, community and people really respect and react to music really well. So, I, I do often feel very grateful to come from a regional town and, and have that been such a kind of like um, – nurturing place to get into music like I, I was probably 14 or 15 when i met two of my best friends they're still really good friends of mine now and they're still both prominent musos down south but um two guys named danny alcorn and ollie quinlan and mm-hmm. we were we were at the bus stop together in year nine we were going to different schools um but we just started talking about music and they were playing guitar and i think they were playing like one direction songs always good and all the year 12 girls were coming to watch their talent show even though they're in Bet year they nine <laughs> immediately very interested in getting in on that <laughs> um, so i was like show me how to do that yeah. and so i got off the bass and i got into guitar and you know at that time it's like guitar is a beautiful instrument just to sit down and have a strum and acoustic you know i felt like i just got the bug and it made me want to play and practice and that's how you wind up getting good from just spending all those hours so by the time they got me into it and it was like year nine year 10 i was like spending all my recesses like hit in the music room just learning matt corby songs and uh, boy and bear and ben howard and like all that you know folk music that's the stuff that really got me into it when i was starting out um and that's probably where i first got the bug yeah that's awesome and did you ever have any actual like formal lessons we all self-taught or was it the guys that you're hanging out with and, and your mates that were sort of showing you how to how to play and get into everything yeah i took a couple lessons on guitar so i had learned the basic chords but i think it was for me like listening to music that I loved and became a fan of. Yeah. And, and like with, with folk music and acoustic music, you can hear the parts, you can hear the singing. It's all very musically kind of uh, intimate and, and um, stripped back and, and really beautiful in that way. So I, I was like hearing my friends doing that and hearing them singing in harmony and, and playing guitar and, and playing these songs I loved and then listening to the music. And I kind of, that was the missing link where I was like, I can actually do this and I can, write my own stuff and I, you know, I could follow this path. So as soon as we did that and then started playing live, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we were doing obviously like open mics at first and playing it like mates, like auntie Bob's wedding or like wherever Sick. we could get a gig. Yeah. For, for, for two people and a, and a dog <laughs> sort of thing. Um, as soon as we started doing that, like I just, just, that was it. As soon as I started playing live, that was it because it was, I was kind of an awkward kid growing up and I was, I was pretty quiet and introverted and, um, had been bullied a whole bunch when I was in high school. Cause I was like a little bit chubby and, um, had, I just had, had a rough upbringing and, and felt very introverted. Like music was a way that I could immediately relate to people better than I could relate with words and, and people connected with me straight away when I was playing music. So I just became kind of like a necessary, um, means of communication that was like very you know i felt compelled to do it it was a need more than a want yeah wow well uh man fucking i, I didn't i didn't know that part uh, about <laughs> that at all and that's crazy because man that happened to me too i had the worst time in high school i remember we so yeah, spoke yeah, about this yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, 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 yeah i had the fucking worst time yeah um and um you know that's probably why i'm so uh like I am now, yeah. like doing all the stuff I do now I because it was it probably just like this pent up sort of, uh, um, you know, confidence that I had. And it sounds like it's the same when you got out on stage, you were just like, oh my God, this is, this is where I let it all out. And this is, um, um, you know, where, where I feel like I belong, you know? Totally. I mean, mm. it's a, it, you have a tough time when you're growing up and, uh, you know, it's like, I wish it didn't happen to either of us, but in a way you kind of come out and you use that as fuel to, to go forward. And, um, I think we're both like pretty, 
driven and ambitious people yeah. probably because you had that sort of an upbringing. So Most definitely. Yeah. And then when did you decide you were going to be a singer too? Because obviously you talked about, you know, you're playing guitar, yeah. you just started with the bass. When when was that transition? Dude, I was horrendous to start. Have like, you got any have you got up. any like audio files? Yeah, I know, like, you'll never see them. No, I want to see those. <laughs> they will never get leaked. I was the worst singer starting out. I think, you know, people always say like, oh, like I wish I was talented. Like I was, I was the the most belows average subpar singer <laughs> starting out. So I used to go to the park across the road from my house when I was like 15 and I would put my headphones in so I couldn't hear myself and I would try and sing along to like Matt Corby songs or something and I would just sing so loud. And I think it just- And in your head, you're going- yeah. I was like, I've got it. Yeah, like, I'm, that was I'm awesome. a superstar. And I probably sounded like a cat dying <laughs> or something. And I, I just remember my- you know, right. I was down south. It sounded like farm noises. Yeah. Anyway. Thank like, God we're on a few acres yeah, so yeah. no one could hear it. But like, I think if anyone would have heard it, they would have banished me down to the next paddock <laughs> or something. Um, so that was how I started. I just like put my headphones in and was like, just pretended that I was like in these songs that sounded great. And uh, for years- was terrible. I remember, I think I put a, a video out of missing Big Jet Plane by Angus and Julia Stone when I was like 15, 16. And that was the first thing I ever did. And I kind of was terrified to do it. But, um, you know, a couple of girls in high school that I was with that like commented and they were like, yeah, not bad. And I was like, yes, yes, like oh, this is all I need. This to is all <laughs> worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, like as soon as I finished school, just from performing, I had become so into music and, and like really early had just decided that it was what I was going to do. I was like, this is my thing now. Uh, and that was a really resilient kind of core value that I had. I was like, even at 16, 17 going out of school, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and just from live performance, I don't think I had very much, you know, talent or ability at all at that time, but I was just very stoic about this is what I was going to do. Um, and so I went straight in and did a couple of years of music school, straight out of high school and had joined a band at that time. And that was kind of when I started performing live as a singer, but man, crazy about thing about me is like, I was never a singer first. Like I always got into the guitar and I just so interesting. That's why that's, you know, quite unusual because usually you kind of can work out like relatively, oh yeah, because you mm. everybody's singing along to the radio and yeah. you're doing your thing. And you're, oh yeah, you can actually sing okay. But there was never that when you were growing up particularly. No, and I think that's what the, made the, the idol thing and what's just happened to me so mind-blowing for me because I had all this insecurity that I was bringing in that other people didn't have where I was like, I'm totally not a singer. Like yeah. I'm, I don't know how I got here. I am like such an underdog compared to all these guys and girls who've grown up their entire life. Full imposter syndrome going on. Yeah. Like, like childhood prodigies everywhere. And I'm just like a guitar player who somehow found their voice, but you know, I'm still pretty new to singing. Like I, I really had a, a bit of bit of a reinvention and a, a, a an epiphany moment in the last kind of twelve months where I really stepped up my grind in every way and I took out a lot of lessons and yeah. did a lot of coaching to get into Idol and I was proud of my performances. But really, like you know, all through my teenage years, I was just mostly playing guitar and and singing badly, like singing average at best. You know, <laughs> just like kind of getting getting away with it. But being a guy in a rock band who could be like rock and baby, like yeah. just, but like. <laughs> No, no, dude, no, no Matt Corby story here. Not no, no. Well, um, but it's so funny that when you, so, like you're touching on those, those songs and those videos, whatever that you did early on and just the, the consistently, um, you know, getting a bit better and just keep doing it, persisting and, and, um, uh, sharpening your craft. Yeah. When you look back on it now, you just go, whoa, look at the progression. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It, it, that is such a satisfying thing to see, isn't it? It is a beautiful thing. And I think I'm at that point in my life. Like, I don't know if you feel this, but like once you hit mid twenties, you're kind mm. of at a point where you're like, you're still young enough to realize that you're a young man, mm. but you're old enough to realize like you how long you've been you doing it for. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like being 18 was seven years ago for yes. me. And I'm like, wow. Like, even though, like music has always been a rocky road for me and it's a tough business and it's kind of like a jagged path forward. I really am proud to look back and go, like I always was consistent with it. And that's the only thing I've ever done. Like I was always a hundred percent on this and the, the progression of, of how much I've come forward in in that time makes me excited because yeah, whenever Harry Connick Jr. shot me down in flames for my pitching (laughs) or something, (laughs) which was fair. Like there was a few performances where I was not super proud of, but I'm like, man, I'm, in seven years time, I'm really, I know that I'll still be doing this and I can't wait to be 
twice as good as I was seven years ago. And you know, bigger than fucking Harry Connick Jr. Oh, <laughs> yes, you and me, Harry, one v one. No, 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 I've forgiven him. Forgiven him. Uh, and uh, you, you touched on the feeling that you get when you're on stage and you're like, so the second that you got up there, you went, yep, this is it. And this is what I want to do. And this is what I love. Yeah. What's that actual What's, what's that feel like when you're up there and, and when you're performing? It's so profound. It's really difficult to liken it to anything else, but it's, it's, it's quite spiritual in mm-hmm. the sense that, um, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a fucking stereotypical like rock guy or something, but it's, it's like you've, you're under the effect of a drug or something. It's like yeah. you're, you're in some kind of different state of consciousness than you are. You're, you're, all your all your emotions and all your feelings are kind of amplified and you, and you're in this really kind of like i find when i get on a good night i'm in a really meditative space and it's 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 somewhat spiritual it's like being in a meditation or being in a prayer like I, one one thing i really feel like is if you listen to a tape back of yourself playing live a year ago or a few years ago and it's like you at your best you may not recognize that it is you playing because it feels like you're actually getting to a point of inspiration when you're channeling something that is kind of a bit divine and kind of beyond you. And you're like, who is that playing? And it's like, that's you on a great night where you've, you've gotten out of your own way. So I have a bit of like a spiritual sample. Man, no, I love it. The thing I love most about you talking about is how passionate and like you, yeah. And you've, you've actually put a lot of thought into it. I reckon that's, you know, it's probably not just something that, uh, that I've just asked you that you've never been asked before about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, it's, it's a space that I try and access every night when I get up and I don't always get there, but at the best of times, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of getting, I'm stepping aside and and being a conduit and letting my kind of spirit come forward and um, music can be when you're playing live can be so improvisational and you're so just like intuitively going off feeling so um, yeah I think people really sense that off me when they see it that I'm really in it and like they give that energy and you, you take energy from the crowd and it's very reciprocal and yeah, as you can hear, I'm very passionate about I love it, life. bro. I love it. And there has to be genuinely something biological that happens in your brain when you do that. There must be some massive release of, yeah. I, I would have to look into that a little bit more. It's exactly, you know, I guess the, the chemical or the hormonal things that happen because it's got to be. I would I would love to hear Huberman Labs or something do some yeah, podcast yeah. on this because it, it's it's not a dopamine hit. Like You get the dopamine hit after the show where you're yep. like, I've achieved something yep. and, and that's amazing, but it's, it's more some – altered heightened state that you mm. get into where you're not actually thinking about how many pre-sale tickets you sold or if the lights are too loud on stage or you're not looking at is like you're completely in some trance and you're just letting the song comes come through you and you're just a conduit for that and it's, it's almost like, like a it's almost like a fight or flight thing isn't it where it's like i guess the 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 nerve and the surge of the, yeah. the rush of doing it and yeah. then it's just like how you're settling yourself to be in that moment and perform in that moment i guess i'm sure that there's got to be some research done on it I'm it's, sure. it's remarkable how it turns on because you know when people talk about stage fright like everyone gets stage fright mm. i mean i usually you'll get stage fright when you're looking out on a crowd and you're about to go on. Mm. Um, but then as soon as you hit that first chord and, and you get into the song, you just kind of enter this state. And it's funny watching people do that. You can see their um, their nerves evaporate and they just kind of fall into this like very euphoric trance thing. And like, I, I, yeah, I just, I just kind of spend my life trying to chase that. It's awesome, bro. And like I said, the, the passion when you talk about it, I love it. It's I real. It, man. Very I, real. it is very real. I feel it. Uh, and then first gigs. What was your first gig that you went and played? Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I started open mics and I was doing them with my friends and we would do like- And was it as a band or were you doing this solo at this point? This was with my friends, Ollie and Danny, and yep. we would do, you know, a song in harmony where we'd sing a few together. Did you have like a name of like your little crew? Or? We should have had a name. You we should have had a name. Had the band didn't take off. <laughs> we ended up all going solo anyway, clearly, <laughs> as you can see. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, like, uh, I, I just started playing- by myself like i it's funny like i i did I, w- I was playing as sash for for like 17 year old 18 year old and i was just kind of doing my first like open mics at mojos and like asking my friends i, I had a really good friend who played drums in the band great gable so i got to support great gable when Sick. i was like uh, fresh 18 or something and, and like just beginning to get into the thing i think i always wanted to be in a band growing up like i was really in love with the community and when i talk about this like emotional state of playing on stage that is totally 
such a beautiful thing when you get that with other people, when you get yeah. kindred spirits on stage. Like you can see people who are having like a, a fist fight off stage, but then when a band gets together on stage, they're in love with each other because they're just sharing it's like this a team. Fight. It's just like playing like a team sport. Same it thing. must be like that. Mm. Yeah. So like no matter, you, you put all your personal differences to the side when you're in a performance setting. So I had grown up like on weird like Reddit forums and shit being like, does anyone want to start a band in Perth? Like I'm 15 and I was just – just so um, set on it. And then by the time I got like, you know, about 18 years old, I got to start my first band and, and that went into like a big string of playing different styles of music for other people. I actually played drums in a band for two years. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And up until like pretty recently, like I was just trying to find my way. And that's kind of what I was circling back to mm. before where it was like, it took me a long time to draw my line in the sand and be like, this is who I am. And like, I think when you're a, you're a, a solo musician, it takes a long time to edit down that that identity and that brand and go, this is who I am. And I had to do all these different years of playing in different bands and I moved well, over. Well, it's just reps, isn't it? It's just trying to, like you said, working out what works. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I moved to Melbourne. I was there for a year, like just playing in a punk band and like had a bit of a phase where I just like... <laughs> Got a mullet and yes, had you a had big, a mullet. Had, a, had some big nights. Bro, you're killing me with all the. We got to we got to bring out some photos. I've some, lived many lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can. We, uh, maybe, maybe. I'm gonna clip it up and I want a mullet. I want a mullet photo. On it one was of the clips. so bad. It was like horrendous. It was like shaved at the top and long at the back. Yes. I used to get stopped in the street. People thought I was like robbing their car or something. I was just walking down the street. Um, yeah, I had to do all that to kind of get to my brand solid and know like this is what I wanted to do and that's. I feel like I really had just achieved that just before Idol happened. And then so Idol is like the best experience of that was like keeping that intact through that whole experience. And I feel very in line with who I want to be for the rest of this year. And, and um, yeah, I, I think I probably rambled that. I don't know if that answered your question. That's good. I was just that just, uh, first gig, first gig. First gig was open mics. Open yeah. Mics. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, it's, Progressed it's on slow. To all it's, the other phases of Sash. Yeah. And like, you know, Perth is really good as a music scene. Yeah. So like, it's it's a it's a very small community and because it's small enough there's a ragtag kind of camaraderie thing that happens where you might be playing with like a hip-hop ensemble or like a jazz fusion band or like a rock indie rock thing but like you're all in the same lineup and you're just like we're in perth we're in the most isolated city in the world we're on this like weird rock in the middle of nowhere let's let's do a gig and so it was very collaborative and i fell into the music scene like really hard as soon as i turned 18 and I would go to Mojo's like four or five nights a week and just watch all these bands. And that's where I spent my kind of uh, formative years, like cutting my teeth. Like I, I was really inspired by other bands and I really loved being part of that music scene. And, um, you know, that's that's where gigs happen for me. And like I, when we, when you talk about all the, the great bands that have come out of Perth, and I think it's a great time to be from Perth. with all, definitely. Like yeah. Spacey would probably be the greatest example of that, but there's so many other awesome bands that are really like representing the country I mean, like this, when I started out, Spaces were playing the, the open mic nights and mojos at the same time. So there was like crazy. A, there was a beautiful, close knit community of, of people just starting out. And that was, that was a big influence for me growing up. Yeah, most definitely. And there would have been some gigs in your time. You've done so many shows around the place now that maybe didn't go to plan as well. Is there any, is there any that definitely. really, that really stick out that you go, holy shit. All that, the was, time. that was not a good one. No. I've got stuff coming up that I'm worried yeah, yeah. is going to be like. <laughs> Dude, I'm just like the worst for for being like an old man in terms of my touring grind. Like I end up in the weirdest towns. Yeah. Like I've, I've played like, God, I've played like Onslow. Onslow sucks. Onslow, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. go to Onslow again. It's not even a real town. They don't. Well, it's like near Exmouth. It's like an hour from Exmouth. Isn't yeah, it? Onslow? It's, it's way far north and it's just like a, a mining kind of settlement. And I think <laughs> I just played for like two miners crying into their beer sort of thing at the end of the shift. Like, what were you singing to them? I think they said something more happy. So you got to you pick, pick your battles when you're out there. So I think I sang like cold chisel or something, whatever they want to hear. Dude, I, I just, I'm just like, I'll, I, we'll play anywhere. We'll like do a gig anywhere. We've, we've um, you know, I, I feel like I've just done 
more shows than I probably even needed to do, but I've always been so in love with playing live. So. Hey guys, last little break here. So uh, obviously I love doing podcasting, but I wouldn't exactly just yet anyway consider myself a podcaster. I'm actually a PT, which I think most of you would have known from, you know, my socials and seeing videos and getting onto the podcast in the first place. But uh, that's what I do day in, day out. Uh, and uh, my main job and my main role is operating my online platform, Body Magic Online. So uh, it's can be found at www.bodymagic.fit. And it's a platform where I've put together all the tools, all the resources, and all the information you possibly need to really make sure you achieve your goals in the most effective and easiest and best possible way. So if you're interested in doing some sort of online training, if you need a little bit of help with your health and fitness, you're not quite sure where to start, need a little bit more of a structured plan, and you know you don't want to spend an absolute packet doing so, Body Magic Online is for you. So if you head on over to my website, there's a couple of different subscriptions or options there, depending on what you're wanting to work on and what you want included. But what I offer for all of my services is full workout programs that you can either do at home or the gym, a full customized meal plan that you get to pick all the great recipes that you want to eat. Never eat anything that you actually don't want to. There's nothing worse than following a diet plan when you're eating shit that you really don't want to eat. There's actually nothing worse. And uh, there's also options for having a weekly check-in with me or another body magic coach to keep you accountable, answer any questions, give you support, and just guide you all throughout the process to make sure you're achieving your goals uh, the easiest and best possible way you can. So if you're interested, I would absolutely love to have you on board and just head on over to www.bodymagic.fit. We've got some really cool new features coming out in the next month or two as well. So stay tuned for that big website update, uh, which I'm super excited to um, yeah launch and uh, get everybody using. But let's get back to the podcast with Zash. Here we go. Now, I want to know about the process of songwriting because you've written heaps of songs. Yeah. You've got so many more songs in the works you've been telling me about um, yep. uh, before we started the pod. How do you even start? It fascinates me. How do you even start with a song? Do you Are you someone that starts with the lyrics first? Do you have the music first, mm. um, the, the stories that you write about? Is mm. it personal experience? All that sort of stuff. It's so fascinating to me because you hear lots of different things from lots of different people. Yeah, I think everyone has a very di- different process and it kind of takes years and years of doing it to refine that. I mean, I'm a big free writer. So yep. my mother's a poet and she kind of- She really? Yeah, yeah. So she's she's been published and she kind of grew up reading her poems to me and they were like really free form, lyrical sort of prose. So she got me into journaling and now I kind of keep a, a physical journal where I'll, I'll either write- try and write about a page of just stuff a day. Like I'll wake up in the morning, like drink some coffee and just go and just write whatever's in my head. And, and you, you'd be surprised what comes out. Cause it, you'll always filter what's happening to you emotionally at that time. Uh, and then I have, you know, like a little notes in my phone that I kind of pull up and just scribble stuff into all the time. So I'm always writing. And I think, you know, when something is going to stick mm. and that's the same with writing words or, playing on the guitar, all of a sudden you're playing a couple of different chords and then you find out a part and you're like, that that's noticeable, that's distinguishable. That's something to work with. And then you might have a repeated phrase or just a really solid grouping of a couple of words. It's like, that's a title. So for me, it's like you start with grabbing, first grabbing onto these things that immediately reach out to you and then you kind of get them on a page. And I'm like almost like like artificial confidence with, with writing songs. Cause I'll do things where I'll like find two chords and a title. And I'll be like, I know what this is going to be about. And then I just tell myself it's a song. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a song. And I make like a two second voice memo on my, I've got like 2000 voice memos on my phone. And I'm like, that's a song. I'll come back to that for me now. Like as I've built the process up over a few years and got a bit more disciplined with it, you know, I'll have about a day every week where I'll try and sit down and write a song. And I can usually turn that little, spark into, into a yeah. song in about two hours because songwriting That's hectic yeah well i mean yes and no like yes it is but i think like we'll, we'll talk about this later with the whole discipline mm-hmm. thing i think but like that so much of songwriting is formulaic if you're trying to make stuff that is accessible to others if you comfortable saying you write songs for other people which i'm comfortable saying that i, I release music because i want other people to enjoy it as well as myself so i'm kind of learning the craft of the formula where it's like, if you picked any pop song on the radio at the moment, I could tell you that they, they follow a pretty similar formula. And I'm like, okay, this, these words are pretty, um, 
solid as a title, but we can work them into the chorus here and then we're going to build the other four lines of the chorus around here and then we've got a second verse and there's another chorus and there's a bridge and then blah, 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 blah. And so just from having done it a lot, having like, I was always a big advocate of learning other people's music, like just building up a massive backlog of learning other people's songs. And because I play an instrument, I can kind of like reference a lot of chord progressions from just listening to lots of popular music. So I have all this kind of craft in my head and that makes it easier for me to turn uh, a, a creative spark into a finished draft. But, you know, I would say like with songwriting, so much of it is, is an editing thing where like once you become like a really avid writer, you, you find a theme where you're like, my girlfriend broke up with me. And then you just have 20 pages of like, wah, wah, <laughs> and then it's like, how do you edit this down into something that is cohesive and concise enough that it's, it sounds like it should be on the radio. Like that's probably the hardest part I would say is being disciplined about going, this is totally what I want to talk about. And this feels totally authentic to me, but now I have to edit down my raw emotions into something that is like a, a product and, and it's three minutes 30 and it's going to be a radio friendly single. Like that's probably the bit that is very tough for a lot of musicians and people who don't do that. They write 15 minute songs that are ambient and have a 10 minute guitar solo and blah, blah, blah. And like, that's valid as well. I respect that. I think if you want to make pop music and you want to make stuff- It's got to be like relatable to people as well. So it's yeah. got to be like lyrics that they can connect with and understand with. And yeah. like you said, if it goes on too long, then or if it's a very niche uh, you know, story or niche yeah. feeling or emotion, then it's probably harder to connect with the people that you're trying to connect to, isn't it? It's not for everybody. I, I don't think everyone you know, is, is going to be a pop writer, but- there's there's a there's a lot of discipline there with going like this is playing by the rules uh, of what I think is going to work for people and what is going to connect to others, but it's also honest. You know, it's like you have to tick both boxes where it's like playing by the rules, but it's still something that's true to you because you know it's just never going to. I think people can see through that shit. Like if you're not compelling and you're not doing something that's honest, then people know. Yeah. And how many songs do you reckon you've written thus far? And what's your favorite songs? Or was there songs that, like you said before, that when you've been writing them or putting the words together, you've gone, oh, I'm onto something here. And like yeah. you've really got excited about. I think one thing that's beautiful about songs is they're usually a time capsule of what was happening to you at the time. They're kind of like a tattoo that mm. like you get it at a specific time and it reminds you of that specific time. And, and it's total chance what's happening. Like you found this chord progression that's really good and you happen to have a friend that just – uh, something good or bad happens to them and it's just like it all it all comes in totally by chance and it's just a beautiful perfect storm when the great ones come through I've always said like the inspiration will come but it will come like a couple of times a year and when it does come like you'll always write your best songs mm. when that inspiration comes it just comes through it's kind of like the live thing we were talking about before where it just it's like a spirit thing that just comes through you but you still have to show up for work every day like yep. I still write every day and write, you know, songs really consistently so that I have the craft part out of the way. So when the inspiration does come, I can kind of like take that shiny thing that's passing through your mind and, and build it into something real. Well, the inspiration is like an emotion, really. It comes and goes. It's almost like a little, it, well, it's like when I'm preaching to people about being motivated to do stuff, it's mm. kind of like, all right, cool. It's very good that you want to do that thing yep. uh, and you want to write the number one song. You want to, you know, lose the 20 kilos, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's, um, yeah, like you said, you got to rock up to work every day because you don't, up. and you just got to show, and it's just got to be sometimes the bare minimum of doing it. Yep. And then when the days hit and you get those beautiful little golden patches, mm. awesome. It all falls into place and all clicks and all works. Definitely. So, I mean, like, oh God, I, I, I've definitely written hundreds and hundreds of little scribbles. I think, I think I've got like, 50 works registered with APRA now. So like a few, I'm no, I'm no Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, it's but insane, I, bro. it's getting more and more consistent as I go along and I'm finding that it gets easier. You know, it's, and like you're a, probably looking at track number one versus track 50 now and you go, what the fuck was I thinking of track yeah, number one? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, again, that's like, there's some the stuff that won't yeah. come out of the vault. I don't want to yeah, show anybody yeah, yeah. some of those early songs, but I can think of a song off the top of my head that that's really important to me just because at, of the time that it happened. Mm. There's a track called Hourglass that I released. I listened to it literally yesterday. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So I like um, that song is cool for me because it's about renewal. It's about starting over. And I wrote it when I had kind of been living in Melbourne. And then all of a sudden when COVID happened and the borders shut, I had like three days to pack a bag and come over. And I had no idea how long I was going to be there for. I ended up being down south in a caravan, like living on a bush block for like a couple months by myself. And it was a very introspective time of going like, who do I want to be? What is going to happen for me? And at that time I was just writing on the acoustic guitar, which I hadn't really ever done 
um, and these songs were coming to me. And that song was like about starting over, um, you know, building something from nothing and, and going back to the place where you come from and that made you who you are and, and beginning again. And so like, that was the first song that I wrote for Sash Seaborn for the project. And, uh, it was the first song I started playing live and like everything that's happening to me right now. And, and that what has become my whole life has kind of come from that initial song and that initial spark. And I think, it, I think back to it and go, that came to me at the right time. And it really set the tone for all the writing that's happened since then. And, um, even though it's quite an old, feels like an old song now and that it happened quite a long time ago, it's still really special to me because it's like the initial spark of this whole path I've been going down. That's awesome. Sounds like tune as well. We'll put, I'll make sure I get uh, some, uh, some links exactly later on. Uh, so everyone can uh, make sure they go check it out on Spotify and everything else. Yes. Now the thing that we, you know, I guess like, uh, I guess connected on most when we were hanging out uh, in uh, Rudy Hill was we were going to the gym together, right? And yeah. then when we're in the gym, we're talking about, you know, um, you know, just everything gym related and wellness related. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I had no idea from the first performance that I was seeing you uh, up in the top 50 week and mm. you there, you had some baggy clothes on, kind of like what you got now. Yeah, 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 yeah. No idea. You're a fucking rig. I had no <laughs> idea. I mean, I rock up at, uh, at, at oh. one, one five, five fitness in yes. Rudy Hill. Yes. Oh, like, what the fuck? Look at this guy. He's a, he's a, he's a rig under there as well. So, <laughs> uh, and then you were telling me that, uh, you know, you would, you just came off doing a, uh, a, a fitness challenge yeah. uh, and how much, you know, working out and you really getting into the wellness and mindfulness, um, sort of side of things has helped you with your singing career. So tell us a little, and I was so interested about that. Tell us a little bit about how that started um, and uh, what sort of stuff you've been up to. Yeah, I'd love to, man. It's been such a journey for mm. me in the last few months. I mean, I think when you boil it down, I have two core values. And I would say that like passion is one, and I'm sure you can hear that in my mm. voice, but like the other side of everything that I do is like passion and discipline. Yep. And the more I play into both of those two values, the more fruit, life bears for me. So, you know, when I signed up for the idol thing, I was really falling into this, this world of, of pressure and I wanted to get better. And it was all about like training for this big, it's almost like an athlete training for their, their competition. Of course. Their, it was the big so, day. Yeah. It was the big day. So I had something to work towards and I fell into just getting in love with fitness and particularly like I got really into CrossFit and signed up for this big CrossFit it's challenge. Cult. Yeah, you were there yeah. drinking from the cauldron. Yeah, I was <laughs> getting up early and going crazy and yeah, I fully did that. Uh, and, you know, it was just, it was a, it's been an amazing chapter of me kind of going on this journey, working on myself and learning like with music, there's such a stereotype that sent you the other way. There's such, a, there's such an expectation, like you're in a band, you like – get lit every weekend and have huge nights and ride it off for a few days. And then you go and do it all again. They say, and you're kind of like this, like 25 year old chain smoking kind of like borderline unemployed muso guy. Like that is the stereotype. And like, I have a lot of friends who I still love dearly, but are still kind of living that life. And even though it was very difficult to step away from like the status quo and, and what is the most common scene around being a musician, like the best thing that I've done for myself in the last few years, I think was to, fall into fitness because it's taught me about mindset mm. it's taught me about discipline and it's like it's just been such a teacher for me to to reconnect with my body and, and wellness and um it's just sparked so much drive and ambition and it's like when you're a young man like we both know so many dudes who will like you have all this energy and you have all this this kind of like pent up either you have drive for the future a lot of us just have a lot of restlessness we're worried about it. it's like how are we going to afford a house how, are you ever going to meet someone you want to love for the rest of your life you, mm. all these things and, and most of us kind of put all that steam you got to blow off into like drinking 10 beers on the weekend or like exactly. 20 beers and being like i'm just going to like have a blowout because i'm just restless and like i feel like i did that for years and that it it, it, it never really got me anywhere i think i had this massive realization as as a muso because you know you are quietly in competition with people around you where I, I really owned my bullshit last year. I feel like I admitted my failures for the first time. And you're like, I look back on those years where I had been in a band and, and not blown up, so to speak. And, and I went, well, that's because you weren't good enough. And what are you going to do about it? Like I had a tough conversation with myself where I was like, you need to step it up and you need to get better if you, if you want to roll with the big dogs and you want to do this for real. And I, expected that of myself all of a sudden so i my i was like this is my purpose 
this is who I am. Like, this is what I want to do. And anything that is outside of me reaching my goal as a musician is something I don't have much time for mm. anymore. So I had to make a lot of sacrifices in my life. And I, I, I quit drinking alcohol at that time. I didn't, don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't take drugs. I don't do anything like that anymore. Don't care if you do. Like, respect. No worries. I still have most of my best friends who do that all the time. But I just go out to the pub and have a fucking soda water like a loser because because yeah. I'm committed. You know, I feel like I, I, I read into... I guess when you've got something not... The, the thing is that I think I'd sort of, I think that you maybe don't go, oh, yeah, that's like it. I think you do understand that not everybody has it, but I definitely sometimes don't understand that not everybody has the same drive and goal and this ultimate thing that you're wanting to achieve. Yeah, and not like, And, you know, that's actually really hard for people to find, but when you do find it, mm. you want to do everything you possibly can to make sure that you reach that. So, totally. yeah, I can identify that for sure. I think it's just chasing something that, that is is your values and, mm. and what is true to you and what makes you happy. If that's like, I just want to be the best dad I can possibly be, or I just want to build a house for myself, or I just want to win a battle with my mental health, which is so much of that was just for me. Like, I just want to look myself in the mirror and not hate myself mm. to be real. You know, like I think it's, it's such a tough time where we're all as young men looking for guidance. We're looking for what comes next. And I, really use the platform on idol to kind of talk about this, not in a preachy way of like, look at me. I've, I've, I didn't want to be misconstrued in that way. It's not like a, I've worked on myself and now I'm a big dog or something like that. It's not like that at all. It was just that I have rebuilt a relationship with myself where now I feel like a proud person. Mm. And now I can kind of walk with my head held high a lot more because I learned that discipline. And it like, it's that self-discipline equals self-respect equals self-esteem thing. So you get up early, you go and do something that sucks in the morning, like go and do a CrossFit workout. Like it, <laughs> it's horrendous. Like I hate it. Like you're just like puffing and gassed and covered in chalk and it's early in the morning, but then you like get out of there and you're like, I smashed it. You know, like I did that and I, that's what I said I was going to do. And I put my money where my math is and I started my day on the right note. Um, and then everything that you do in that day that sucks less, you know, it feels easier and you feels like an achievement. So, you know, exercises for me, like when you say I wear baggy clothes and stuff, I don't feel like a gym bro. I don't really go around being like, check out my abs or anything like that. It's, it's- it should because they're good enough to do so. so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But for me, like I don't do it because- Because of that. For abs, yeah. I do it because I need to do it yeah. for my mental health. And like, totally. it, you know, working out is, is just one part of a wellness practice for me that is like symbolic of discipline, symbolic of mindset. And mm. as soon as I asked for more out of myself- I became proud of who I was and and that has been such a paradigm shift for me. When you brought up discipline when we were training in Rudy Hill, it was actually something that I didn't really think that uh, – I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, if you had to describe me in a couple of words, I would say discipline. But when you were talking about that going to the gym for you and getting up and doing that, mm. that was really part of that discipline behavior for you and then that then setting you up to – you know, achieve everything else with your music and be consistent with, um, you know, you're setting your goals and achieving them and all that sort of thing. Yeah. It, got, it got me thinking about my stuff and I was like, fuck, I was like, maybe I'm, because the gym has just been something that I've always done yeah. for, you know, the last 11 years. I'm in there just about every day doing something. You are. So it probably didn't click to me that it was like, oh shit, that's actually like, uh, you know, that's something to take a little bit more credit for, for anybody out there that mm. is going to the gym, who who goes on their walks, it goes for a run or whatever. Mm. Um got to give yourself a bit of credit for actually doing those things and enjoying those things and waking up and doing them for sure. Yeah. It's, it's discipline and it's accountability. Mm. You know, it's like I put my money where my mouth is and I said I was going to do something and I did it and I followed through. And I think you are a disciplined guy yeah. and a pretty high functioning guy. And you should, you should, you know, not like be a cockhead about it, but like be healthy, healthy pride in yourself mm. for what you've achieved. And like, like, that's just something that I wish to kind of impart to others because it, I, I got so much out of it. You know, it's like, I take, just like I take that the exercise thing is just become a metaphor in my life for how I approach music and, and how I approach work and how I approach like my family. And like, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Cause it's like you inspire me in that way because you're such a Lord with, with exercise and, and the way that you run your business and being so committed to the cause. And like, I respect that, you know, it's like with, with music, there's such this culture of like burnout, like people who are, homeless and like barely have a job or something and like doing music and it's like I, I never connected with any of that and and what going into an exercise filled environment is is like it's synonymous with motivation like I 
take, I go out in the morning and like do sets in the gym. And then I take that attitude into going and do sets in the rehearsal studio. And I'm totally. uh, building a, a, you know, a better, I'm in competition with myself to be better than myself, better than yesterday, better than who I was yesterday. And I think that that has brought me more success in music in the last 12 months than it ever has before. And that's purely because I just, I borrowed that mm. mindset from people who are motivated and people to exercise. So that like hats off to you. Yeah, no, that's awesome, Bray. And like I said, it's just, uh, it's so cool when you, when you're seeing not just the benefits of when you're getting into the gym, not just your feeling, but how it affects you so positively in every other aspect of your life. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's sick. And do, do you do any like mindfulness and meditation stuff? I've only literally, just got into this cool. as of recently. Cool. I'm oh, fucking rating it. It's into really, it. yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. Did you, were you doing anything or are doing anything currently? I was always interested in that world and I had a lot of like kind of older, my dad's friends and, and kind of male figures in my life who were into meditation. So I, I got into it when I was like a, a teenager and kind of did it on and off going forward. I, I'm an advocate for the mindfulness stuff and mm. I think doing mindful activities is really good for your headspace also like your creativity like i try Most and definitely. turn the phone off and and meditate or even just do something like clean the garden and be in the sunshine for a little bit like i think having mindfulness in the back of your head is great for dealing with stress and anxiety mm. i'm a bit i just got into the whole breath work thing you know like the wim hof so method. i just started doing a few bits and pieces with this as well and yeah you feel like the actual feeling yeah is fucking me- and it sounds yeah. so until you go and do it i was never i always heard people because i work yeah. with you know, all, all the different athletes that I work with yeah. and they've got all these great psychologists and resources that they do stuff for and they're always yeah. like, oh yeah, they touch on it. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't really given it a proper good go yeah. and I've given it a real good go the last little while and oh my gosh, bro, you feel just unreal. Into it. Hey, I, I, like I've always been someone who drank a lot of coffee because mm. I was like kind of, I guess, low dopamine naturally. But I've just been doing that in the morning, like a 10-minute round of, of breathing, and I feel like I've had two coffees or three coffees. Just recharged, eh? Yeah, and I, I, like, I think- Help with your sleep as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exercise and then mm. that, and then also like, you know, um, doing the ice bath and, and doing all sorts of that stuff, like cutting and eating well. Like the, it all kind of feeds into like a, a, a wellness practice. And I think there's probably heaps of blokes or dudes in Australia who would listen to us talking about all this stuff and be like bloody breath work or bloody See, but I was literally one of them weeks ago bro yeah. like, and I was going like it wasn't even long ago Dude, and now I've just get, I've properly just gone alright I'm going to actually immerse myself in this and give it a proper go I've just yeah. gone holy shit how haven't I been doing this for longer so it's, it's so real I just went and got the Calm app and was just like just, oh, cool. doing, just doing stuff off Calm like the, yeah. the breath work stuff on there some of the yeah. meditations um, the bedtime stories bang yeah. bro I'm like regularly I'd be sitting there i put the tv on yeah and i'd you know try to fall asleep i'd like to have some sort of like noise going on yeah um and then we switched just yeah the last week or so uh of doing the the bedtime stories matthew mcconaughey just you know yeah. re- reads me to sleep every night now Lord, yeah. uh and i uh, put that on i do not even last to the end of the 10 minutes i'm yeah, out like it's, it's sick, unbelievable hey. yeah and people will talk shit about this but they also probably suffer from anxiety you know what i mean like and most pro- definitely and they probably find that drinking 10 pints on the weekend isn't helping so like yeah. Um, I'm definitely an advocate for, for all of this sort of stuff. Like yeah. it's, it's done a lot for me and, and my mindset. And like, yeah, I, th- I think just in the, in the day and age where we're at, where like, you know, um, male, male mental health is more of a conversation than ever, which is cool. But I think it's more of an issue than ever as mm. well. Like, I mean, I just felt like I was someone that had so much anxiety and was struggling so much with my own personal demons in the last few years. Like I'm a big advocate of like, if you haven't tried any of this stuff, um, Give it a go. Just see, just see what what works for you. Because not, it's, it's not a, all going to work. It's not all going to land. Yeah, um, it's a but, huge space. But you just got to like just dip your toe in and just see what happens. And trust me, there's a reason why people do it. Yeah, <laughs> there's man. people why why people would talk about it and they do it religiously because you just feel fucking awesome afterwards. You're still doing the ice baths as well, aren't you? We're gonna do. I'm gonna go on Friday. You want to come Friday? All right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll Friday. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. I was actually looking at buying one. They're hella expensive. Yeah. Imagine they were so be. expensive, but it's not actually like. Because the bath is just a bath, you can yeah. buy whatever, but it's like the chiller pump for it. Yeah, they're like six or seven grand just for the chiller pump Jeez. thing. As in, like that's Gosh. like a that's like a El Cheapo one. So oh my God. I might just keep going down Helix House down kind of slow yeah. and doing the drive yeah, and doing yeah. that every time I need one. But that you know goes in with the discipline stuff. But I was actually reading into the ice bath, um, the the benefits a little bit more of uh, of doing the ice baths. Yeah. So there's a hormone that's released called norepinephrine. Do you know how I remember that? 
Nora, Nora's okay. name. It's not spelt like that. <laughs> Shout at out Nora. All. Shout out Nora. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that's how I wrote because I was like, oh, it's not actually how it's spelt, but that's how Nora it's said. Penephrine. So I was like, Nora Penephrine. Anyway, okay. um, and that gets released. Right. And that's what gives you this real euphoric feeling after. And it's, uh, it's the same uh, hormone that gets released. Have you heard of like, um, oh my God, it's called uh, rest and rest and digest. Have you heard that? So there's like fight or flight okay. and then there's rest and digest, which is sort of like all the stuff that's happening to you without you kind of realizing. Yeah. Like all the movements and, and all the energy and everything that your body's using without you um, actually needing to do anything. And it kickstarts that just that little bit more. Yeah, so, right. you man, you come out of there feeling an absolute million bucks. You do. I don't know what it is, but yeah, you're just supercharged. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I mean, I just like was such a coffee like addict. Like it was really ridiculous for a bit there. And I've just found that like it, it's, it's that high that you were looking for that a lot of people are looking for in all sorts of things, but you don't get the crash. There's no kind of like downside of it. And so, yeah, I'm a big advocate. I'm into it. Most definitely. Um, hey, thanks so much for uh, coming in and, uh, hey, really good fun and so great to hear um, all your stories and uh, everything about Idol and I can't wait to see what the next little bits um, are going to look for you. What have you got coming up? Dude, it's going to be a really big year. You know, I feel like I've just jumped into the first couple of days of like a whole new chapter. Um, you know, Have you had people recognize it yet? Tons. Tons, yeah, yeah. Man. I went to the bird okay. on Friday and I was taking some photos from William Street and I was like filling up my. How cup. good is that? It's cool. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know that it's kind of like for Idol, but I'm hoping that you know, with a lot of work this year and I'm putting a lot of songs out, we can kind of convert that into something long term. I was like filling my car up. Uh, just like at the petrol station, some guy was like, Shash, mate, across the thing. <laughs> you're I was joking. Like, I was like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I voted for you, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Sure you yeah, fucking did. Thank, I wouldn't yeah. be here if you didn't fucking vote did. You didn't vote for me enough, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's really exciting. You know, there's like all this new audience and that's exactly what I want out of the show. So, you know, uh, May is the first time that we can release music again. So I think I'm going to be putting a single out in May. Can't wait to hear, bro. And have you got it ready to go or you kind of in the works and you're, you're building something up? It's very or? much in the works. I won't give too much away. Yeah, okay, don't. Excited don't. to do that. And then, you know, next comes some shows and I've been, you know, reaching out wondering where in Australia we should be going to. So I think it'll be a big national run. Fantastic. Um, yeah, man, just like releasing a lot of music, playing a lot of shows live and just put myself out there this year. So that's that's what I'm about. And where can everybody find you right now? On Spotify, YouTube, uh, Instagram, tell us all your handles. Just at Sash Seaborn on all socials. Uh, and if you want to listen to the music, it's streaming on all platforms, Sash Seaborn. Fantastic. So good, bro. Well, um, like I said, thank you so much for coming on down. It's been great to catch up again. Uh, Ice Bath Friday, can't yeah, wait. Dude. It's going to be great. Keen for the song to come out as yeah, well. I'm so yeah. keen for this song, straight to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Thanks, bro. And that's another episode of Potty Magic all wrapped up. Thank you so much. And that's another episode of Potty Magic all wrapped up. Thank you so much, Sash, for coming down and doing that episode with me. Uh, it was so great to hear all that insight and uh, really, really generous with your time. And I know you're going to go on to do massive, massive things, mate. And I uh, can't wait to follow along the journey with you. And uh, just a reminder just to check out his socials as well on uh, Instagram, doing a little bit of TikTok stuff as well. Check him a follow. Show him a bit of love because he's a bloody uh, awesome guy. So, and I'm sure I'm going to be looking back on this in a, in a year or two or, or five years time, whatever it might be and go, holy fuck, I'd, I'd sash on the couch singing and look at his number one hits everywhere. So make sure you do that. As always, just make sure uh, you rate, you subscribe, you follow on Spotify, Apple Music or YouTube. Uh, it goes a long way just to uh, building the podcast and it literally just takes 20 seconds of your time to do so. And uh, lastly, if you're wanting some online training, some help with uh, anything in the gym, nutrition, anything like that, head on over to my online platform, www.bodymagic.fit. Let's get you on one of those packages today. Let's get you feeling fucking great. Let's sort your bloody stuff out. Uh, and I can't wait to uh, have you in next episode. Love your work, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.